Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star as we continue in this series called The Birth of a Movement, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. You should have gotten some notes on the way in. If you're in the room, you can do that. You can go to our North Star app. North Star Church, Georgia, in the App Store is the easiest way to follow along. You want something you can write on, take notes on, and follow along because it will help our journey. You know, we've been journeying with this brand new church in the book of Acts. Remember, Jesus dies, he is resurrected. His 11 disciples at that point, Judas was gone, 11 disciples, there were probably around 70 followers, they're with him for the next 40 days, then he ascends back to heaven, and then we had the day of Pentecost, right? And the day of Pentecost is when, so what we talked about last week, 3,000 were added to the church that day. Prior to that day, there were probably about 120 or so followers, but that day, began what we call a movement. A movement that even to this day, we feel the effects of what happened 2,000 years ago. So a movement is just not a gathering of people. A movement is when a group of people buy into the same thing and there's energy moving forward. So maybe, maybe this will help. How many of you grew up in Atlanta in Atlanta, proper Georgia somewhere, in the 1980s. Raise your hand if you're in the 80s. Okay, you're up in Atlanta. There's not a lot of you around. But anyway, so I'm one of those, I'm one of those people. If you're around Atlanta back during that time, we have a professional baseball team in Atlanta called the Atlanta Who? Y'all like trick question? No, Atlanta Braves. All right, same answer. Um, the Atlanta Braves were not good in the 1980s. The old joke used to be, if you leave two Brave tickets under your front windshield wiper because you can't go to that game today, you'll come back and there'll be six. All right, and so that was the old joke about the Braves. The other joke used to be, you know what the Atlanta Braves, what Atlanta Braves and Michael Jackson have in common? They both wear one glove for no apparent reason. All right, and so that used to be a big joke. They were terrible, you'll get that later. All right, they were terrible, and then 1991 happens. 1991 happens, and Braves mania hits the city. What used to be a ticket, literally, you could go to a Braves game. Yeah, this is the truth. They would hit a foul ball, and you'll go, I'll get it on the way out, because it would just sit there. There was nobody there. Now you can't get a seat at the stadium. You can't get a seat. People are chopping, people are chanting. Sid Breen comes in, Terry Pendleton comes in, and these worst to first Braves go to the World Series, 1991. Playing, a little Braves trivia, playing who? The Minnesota Twins. After the last service, I met two twin fans and I told them they were not allowed here. But anyway, so yeah, they're on the newcomers tour right now, but they had to go at the back of the line. All right, so they played the Minnesota Twins. They lost the World Series. But the crazy part about it was Ann and I got married during the World Series. Terrible timing. Who would have ever dreamed the Braves were going to be? I tried to move the date, move the times. Didn't go overwhelmed. All right, and so uh, I lost. But why was it such a big deal? Because it was a movement. It was all these people that are like, yeah, I didn't even know we had a team, and now I'm a fan. I'm on the bandwagon. That's what happened in the early church. 
what happened in the early church, it wasn't like they said, oh yeah, I go to the early church here in Jerusalem. It's like they bought in hook, line, and sinker. I want you to read with me. Y'all stand with me today and honor reading God's word together. Acts chapter two. Remember, this is a snapshot of the movement of what was going on. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and sharing in meals, and to prayer. So I want you to think about this. This group of people had either grown up two ways. Almost all of them were out of a Jewish religious system. So everything they're hearing is brand new to them, okay? The apostles who were teaching were the 11 that were with Jesus. They had a front row seat. So they're going, man, I remember when he did this, and I remember when he did this, when he, when he did this. So now we have the Bible. They didn't have that. They had the Torah, which was the first five books of what we know now as the Old Testament, and they had the apostles' teaching. And they're hearing about this Messiah who most of them had either seen the resurrected Jesus or they knew somebody that had seen him. All they knew was he was dead on Friday and he rose again on Sunday. That's all they know. And they're just eating it up. They're just taking it all in. Verse 43, in a deep, sense of what's that next word? What does it say? So literally it's the picture of a group of people that say, why in the world did God let me in on this story? It's a reverent fear of going, not a fear like, ah, like a fear of, oh my goodness, I get to be a part of this. God chose me to help bear the story a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And how many of the believers, what's the next word? The believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. Now, we hear that we go, that sounds crazy. I want you to remember, the Roman religious, the Roman government and the Jewish religious institution hated these people. It's not a dislike. It's not, I hope they just go do their own thing. They hated them for the uprising that was being created because of this movement. So this group of people, all they had was God and each other. So look at what they did. They sold their property and their possessions and they shared money with everybody who was in need because they had nobody else to depend on. Some of them couldn't even depend on their own families because now their religious beliefs were different than their families, so their families had pushed them out. So they've got each other to depend on. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Literally, even 2,000 years later, one of the greatest ways we bond with other people is over a meal. It's over, we break bread together, we talk together, we commune together. That's, I mean, even today, you go out with friends, you go out to dinner, you have somebody over, you have dinner, all right? 
And all the while they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And I love this part. And each day the Lord, had, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So what it wasn't like, okay, we all know, so let's cluster in, we're good. Every day somebody new was learning. Now I want you to get this. They didn't have this that we have now, the Bible. They had the life change they saw in somebody else. And what they saw in somebody else made them want to know more. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Would you pray with me? Wherever you're standing this morning, Compass, True North, Patio, wherever you're watching online, would you just ask the Lord to show you your part in this, would you? Say, God, show me. God, use your word now. Speak to us, teach us, and grow us to be the people you want us to be. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. You can be seated. So at the top of your outlines today is a great word. And the word is called community, right? There is no community without this little word at the end of community, and the word's called unity. If you've got your little physical outlines, would you circle that real quick? Unity is the byproduct of community. So here's a fact, okay? We like each other on Sunday mornings, but that's about as far as the relationship's ever gonna go, right? If all we know is Hey, on Sunday, when you come in, and hey, on Sunday, on your way out. I mean, we will like each other, but there will never be a bond that's created, right? So you know this when you walk through a door on Sunday. When somebody says, how are you doing? Everybody always says what? Good, great, awesome, fine. Most people don't go, can I really tell you? Let me tell you how I'm doing, all right? Nobody does that. It, why? Because it's not the space and it's not the place. This is wonderful. I love Sunday mornings. This is a great thing. But bonds are built in unity when we're face to face, not looking at the back of somebody's head. As great as North Star is, North Star is a great place. If this is all you ever take of North Star, you're missing the best of North Star because the best is built in groups. So here's this new church. Now, this new church could have done it anyway. Nobody had ever done it before. What they could have done is they could have just stayed in a large church and just continued to add to their number by the thousands, right? So they had a 3,000, they just keep adding, and they just keep building bigger, but that's not what they did. What they did was they began to gather together, and we learned some lessons. Ready? Number one, I'll become like those I spend the most time with. I'll become like those I spend the most time with. I was in student ministry for a long time, and the phrase was, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future, Show me the people you hang out with. I will show you the people you act like, talk like, dress like, everything. 
Kid goes off to college, mom, dad, I want independence. And they join a fraternity and sorority. And they look like, dress like, and act like everybody else, right? And they pay money to do it. And it's, it's what happens, right? We become like the people that we're around. In this world that we live in, we've got a lot of external forces pulling us a million different directions. How do we continue to walk to the Lord when the only time during the week we honestly have time to think about it is Sunday mornings? Look, look at this early group. And all the believers met together in one place. They worshiped together at the temple each day. And I want you to just write down this phrase, ready? Iron sharpened iron. I was in a meeting the other day. I don't even remember where I was. So somebody said this, and it will be my phrase now because I can't remember who said it, so just write down. Mike Lynch said, all right, and so you know why you never have to sharpen scissors? Because every time scissors close, they sharpen each other, the blades. And if you're like, Mike, that's not true. Don't mess up my story. All right, and so they, they sharpen each other. You know what happens in your life when you get around people that have the same beliefs and practices and faith you do, you sharpen each other. Can I get an amen? It ain't easy being a parent in this world. Amen. And if you're a student in here, can I get an easy? It ain't fun being your kid either. All right, and so it's hard, right? And we need each other. That's why the entire model of North Star from adults to kids it's set up around groups. Everybody comes in, and then if you want to grow, you turn in to grow with somebody around you, to sharpen. Because it's hard. It's hard to be a leader. It's hard to be a business owner. It's hard to be a man. It's hard to be a woman. It's hard to be a single. It's hard to be a single parent. And we have groups for all those things because we need each other. So I love what I do on Sunday mornings. One of my favorite days of the week. It is my favorite day of the week. But I will tell you what I've watched God do in groups that I'm in. There's probably been more God moments in those than there have been just sitting in this room. And so, because God knows that I need it, I have lots of groups that I get to be a part of. And I'm telling you, every time I leave, I leave better because of somebody else's story. And the hard part is I'm paid advertising, right? Well, Mike, you're the pastor. Of course, you're supposed to do that and you're supposed to say that. So today, I want you to meet a couple. There are a couple I've had the privilege of being in a small group with them through all the years and watching them raise their family and grow in their business and grow in their, in their jobs. So would y'all join me today and give a great North Star welcome to Dr. Benji and Millian Morell. Would y'all give them a hand today? Thank you, Mr. Wendell. Thank you, brother. So you guys introduce yourselves, tell who you are and what you do for a living. I'm Benji Morell, and I'm the proud principal at Pickett's Mill Elementary School here in Ackworth. Awesome. And I'm Millie Ann. I'm a real estate agent, and we have two children between us, and they are at Alatoona High School. So years ago, you guys started years ago, you guys started at North Star when, Benji? 
We first started at North Stars right after the building was built. I was working at North Cobb High School when North Star was still over there at North Cobb on Sundays. And as soon as the building was built is about the time we started attending. So, and at that time, your kids weren't even born yet, right? They weren't even born yet. So what drove you guys? We've done this. We do this every year. We talk about the power of groups every year because we believe in it. What drove you guys to leave your seats and go, okay, we'll give it a shot? What would you say? Part of it was we moved down here and we knew no one. Um, we moved from Upper East Tennessee back in 1998, 99, and had, we knew no one here in the area, came on a whim for a teaching job and a position Millian was coming down for. And we came to church, and like Mike said, you really don't get to meet people when it, you're sitting in rows. And when they talked about groups and they talked about getting out and getting involved, you know, we said this is a perfect opportunity for us to take advantage of, you know, getting to know people and, and find some new friends in the area. And your, and your lives hadn't gotten less busy through the years. It's probably gotten more busy because you went from being a teacher and a coach to an athletic director. Now you're a principal and Millian's in real estate now. Millian, how have you, how have you guys made it a priority to go, I know we don't have time for it, but we're going to make time for it. What would you say? Especially when we were younger and our kids were young, um, it was almost we could kind of commit and we kind of thought of it as almost a date night um, because we weren't, we never had any other time to do it. But we said, you know, our hearts said, you need to be doing this. And so we listened to our hearts and joined our first small group. And we're blessed that my parents live in the area and could babysit for us once every two weeks or once a month or whenever we meet. And we had time together that we'd never had otherwise because we're running around after two little ones. Um, so just once you go a couple of times, you're like, I don't, I don't want to miss my small group. That's important to me. I'm going to put it on my calendar. It's going to be something that I'm committing to. It's just a matter of going that first couple of times and connecting with the people in the group. And, and Benji, you nailed it last hour. Not only was it a time together, but it was free, right? And that's every man's greatest love language, right? It was free. <laughs> it was the only date we could afford back then. <laughs> small group was free, so we could do small group. So let me ask you this, Benji. How did this make you better as a, a man, a husband, a father, a leader? How has a group benefited you in those, in those areas? It's like you said earlier, Mike. It really, iron sharpens iron. And to go to these groups, and we're in a couples group right now with a lot of coaches and coaches, coaches couples group. And I had to ask Mike when I went to elementary school, if I could still stay in the group, I asked him, I said, Mike, I'm coming out of high school and I'm going to elementary school. So I can kind of still come to the coaches group. He said, yes, you got to stay. That's good. But it's, um, you're just around people who are think like you in the same manner, but they're better than I am. I walk out of every small group night we have and I learn something from the guys and ladies that we're in small group with. And I feel like I walk out every time thinking to myself, gosh, I need to be a better dad, I need to be a better husband, I need to be a better friend because of what I heard tonight. Millian, what would you tell somebody that would go, man, my calendar, it's just too busy right now. I, I'll be okay without it. What encouragement would you give them to give it a shot and try it? What would you say? I think that when you can make a commitment like this, because there, there are a lot of things that you can get involved with at church. There's a ton, and it can be kind of overwhelming. But if you can make one commitment to yourself 
And it's, if you're in a couples group, it's to your spouse. And it's a commitment to grow a little bit deeper in your walk with, with God. That's just, it's so important and you're going to be richer and better for doing that. And you may have seasons that are more difficult to do it. There are certain times of the year for us, especially when he was coaching, that were more difficult to go, but they were always, it's so worthwhile and so worth making the time to do it. We use a phrase at North Star all the time, that which is most personal is most universal. What we are going through, normally everybody's going through. What's something you've learned being around, and we'll take couples because it was the couples group y'all are in, being around other couples that you go, God, I'm glad to know we're not alone in this. What would you say? Childcare in general. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you don't exist in a vacuum. To, so to know that other people are going through some of the difficulties and in most of our groups, we have people whose children are older and some whose children are younger and we get to pray for each other and we get to talk about what their children are going through and talk about what we're you know, experiencing with ours. That is, it's just great. When we were young parents, Casey and Mary Michael were our kids' age. And now we've watched our kids come from elementary age kids and now they're in high school getting ready to graduate from high school so it was a great experience to hear from you guys and other people in the group um, and you're great role models for us and we're trying to be the same for the others in our group now who have little ones and they see and hear from us during our small group discussion time and I think it's beneficial awesome would you guys join me today and thank Benjamin Millian y'all are awesome thank, thank you so brother y'all are awesome thank you Millian I love that and I love I love the picture because I've watched their life from just beginning to now kids growing up to super busy to lots more going on. Why don't you look down at point number two? And this goes to something Millian said, my desire to change will never override my daily habits. Meaning this, I become what's important to me, right? Would you write that down? I become what's important to me. My daily habits will reflect what's important to me. So this early group of believers, it would have been super easy for them to go, yes, 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 the Lord's important to me and he's what I'm all about, but yet if their lives didn't reflect it daily, they would never become who they were. Look at at the way it said it. And all the believers Here's the word. I want you to underline it, highlight it, circle it. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It wasn't this, oh, I think this would be good for me. It was this, I need this to survive. I need this to get by. Our daily habits will never over, our, our, my desire to change will never override my daily habits. My hope for what I can be will be driven by what I do. They set into their lives something that mattered. And here's the word I want you to write down, ready? In the words intentionality. They built intentionality for what was most important. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Your schedule never gets less. If it's busy now, 
it will be busier later. And I know we've got a ton of college students in the room. I remember sitting at Liberty University when I was there and I was playing ball and trying to graduate on time and all that stuff. And I, and I thought this, I remember sitting on my bunk bed at Liberty thinking this thought, this is the busiest I'm ever gonna be. Dear Jesus, I would love to get those words back, right? And so life just gets busier. It's just the way that life is. So if I don't carve out intentional time for what's gonna make me better and what I'm gonna need, here's what you don't know. You don't know what you're gonna walk through. You don't know what changes are coming your way. You don't know what life's gonna throw at you. And if you gotta do it alone, you'll feel lost God created us for life together. And it began back then. This group of people began to create these habits of teaching and fellowship and meals together. Why? Because it made each other better. And number three, when I ask how I can help with no strings attached, people notice. So this group of people, they had no prescription for this, just began to love each other, they began to care for each other and they began to take care of each other and they began to be there for each other. When there was a need, it was met. When there was a prayer request, a prayer was prayed. And this group of people just did this. And let me tell you what happened. The world noticed. Why? There's unity in community. I have a feeling if I were to go outside this building today and I were to be doing man on the street interviews and I just walked around and I would walk up to the average person in our community somewhere. I used to say town center mall, but I don't think anybody's there. All right. And so I'd walk up to somebody in our community and I put a microphone out and say, do churches in majority, do most churches get along well? Yes or no? The answer probably would come back what? No. They fight, they bicker, they fuss, they blah, blah, blah. There's unity in community. There's unity when the church does this. I got a good friend sitting right back here this morning, Kit Cummings, who runs a phenomenal organization called POP. And he uses this phrase all the time. It's hard to hate somebody when you know their story. It's just hard to hate them. Because all of a sudden, I may disagree with you about everything. I had a Minnesota Twin fan after the service tell me that they legitimately won the World Series when we all knew that Kent Herbeck pulled Ron Gant's foot off the bag. All right, and so we, we, we discussed that this morning. But there's, but there's unity in community. There's unity when I know somebody's story. We live in a divisive world, ladies and gentlemen. Sitting on a row with you today are people that have beliefs about things that are a little different than yours, about lots of subjects. And we're not gonna name any of them because we will all disagree, all right? And so lots of subjects we can disagree on. But one thing we can't agree on is we can't do life without Jesus. Can we agree on that? And when we come together, no strings attached love, the world peeks in. Do you know Why? because you don't see it anywhere else. You didn't see it back then. The church being the church drew people in that didn't know, point number four. 
And when it's not about us, but about God and his kingdom, we become a church that God can trust with the spiritual birth of his children. The father wants his children to grow in a safe place. And I'm not talking about babies. I'm not talking about little ones. I'm talking about some people that are in their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, their 60s, their 70s, and they've just come to know the Lord. And he wants them to be in a place that they can grow. Now, here's why this is a big deal. We live in a world that the church is becoming irrelevant. The average age of a church, the people of a church, now is 65 years old. Average. That used to sound older to me than it is now. But anyways, and so, but what's happening is there's a whole generation of people who just don't go to church anymore. They don't see the need for it. And God's looking for a place for people to be added to his family. Next Sunday night, you want to do your heart good? Bring a picnic. Bring a lawn chair. Next Sunday night's free. You say, man, Mike, I don't know anybody. What a great chance to meet people. Come next Sunday night and watch people from all walks of life, all ages get baptized. How many of y'all have ever been to one of our baptisms before? Raise your hand. It, it's, it's, it just encourages your soul. You're like, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. I wrote this down early this morning. When people turn up, here, and they turn in and grow, and they turn out and go, we become the church God created us to be. We gotta turn up, get in, and we gotta turn in. Melinda, a sweet couple, the Facularises, teach a small group, middle of the week on Wednesday nights for parents of students. So you got kids growing up, and you're like, man, are we alone? How do we build a great marriage when we're going a million directions? Maybe you're here and you say, man, Mike, I, I don't, you know, my kids are grown and I've got a child that um, struggle with substance abuse. There's a, there's a group for hope for you. There's a group for everybody from college, high school, singles, young professionals. Why? Because God created the church to be the church and need the church and grow with each other and then watch the birth of his children of people coming out. So if you've been around North Star any length of time, you notice we don't, if you grew up in a church, maybe you grew up in one that had a baptistry, you know, back behind the pastor while he was speaking and there'd be water flowing or whatever, maybe somebody floating by. But anyway, so there's a baptistry up, up, up here. We don't have that, right? We have a little pool we pull out. We bring in big blow-up pools. But soon, we hope soon, right out in front of this building, we're gonna put in one outside. And wouldn't it be awesome on Sundays after church to put cones out, everybody walks out and watches people walk through those waters of a big fountain and be baptized every week? Why? Because that's the church. Ladies and gentlemen, the church didn't end 2,000 years ago. People needed Jesus then, and they need Jesus now. Everybody look at me. And how do they find him? Through us. As I grow in my walk with the Lord, as I grow deeper with other people, we become the people God created us to be. Would you pray with me?
Father, may our strength be developed not from just getting smarter on a Sunday. But God, knowing I can open up my life with somebody on a Monday. Find out I'm not alone. Found out, find out that there's other people that are struggling and growing just like me. Father, I pray for the day here at Northstar we have more people in groups than attend on Sundays. Because that's where our muscles get worked out. And that's where we become the people that you created us to be. So God may, my prayer for North Star is may this church look like what you had intended. And we're gonna give it our very best to do so. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Would y'all join me and let's thank the Lord for our time together this morning.